Welcome everyone to Fraud Files Unleashed, where true fraud investigations meet captivating storytelling. I'm Austin, a seasoned fraud fighter with over eight years of experience in both law enforcement and banking. Join me on a first-hand journey through real cases, offering insights into the dangers and intricacies of fraud. Whether you're a fellow fraud fighter or eager to learn about fraud prevention, I invite you to tune in. Brace yourself for a mix of knowledge and humor, and I apologize in advance because there's going to be a lot of dad jokes throughout this podcast. Let's uncover the secrets of fraud together. Episode 3, Fast Food Fiends. Fast food and fraud? Now you're speaking my love language. This is one of my all-time favorite investigations. No, not just because there was food involved, but that does play a role. All around, this case was a lot of fun. I dug deep, uncovered the truth, and ultimately arrested a very small crime ring. Watch your credit cards the next time you visit a drive-thru, because that's exactly where this fraudster struck gold. Let's go back to 2020. I'm a fairly seasoned criminal detective at this point in my career, but I have so much to learn. I was working alongside 10-plus extremely knowledgeable investigators on a joint operation law enforcement task force in Seminole County, Florida. I truly made some lifelong friends from this group. We often worked together to help each other investigate cases, and sometimes we would find a link in our investigations. This specific case started out as any other ordinary credit card fraud case. On this specific week, I had an abnormal amount of credit card fraud cases coming in. In fact, they were all nearly identical. All of the victims' cards were physically stolen, and all of the fraudulent transactions were occurring at our local Altamont Springs Mall. Hmm. My fraud senses were tingling. I was hanging out in my office with a fellow detective, chatting about these cases. And lo and behold, they had a similar case as well. They were more than happy to transfer this case out of their queue. And I was just happy to know this investigation was going to be larger than I expected. My first goal? Let's contact all these victims and start narrowing down the compromise. When you have this many separate victims involved, there is always a link of some sort in common. The first victim I contacted said they believed their card was stolen when they grabbed a late night snack at a local Wendy's. How so? Well, they ordered a 4 for 4, paid for their meal in the drive-thru, but come to think of it, they don't think they got their credit card back. Side note, I am not sponsored by Wendy's, by the way. But if they want to throw me some free burgers, I'd be happy to talk about Dave's singles. Back to the point. Hmm, that's interesting. I started questioning every other victim about their late-night snacking habits, and sure enough, they all visited the same exact drive-thru. Perfect. How could someone think they would get away with this? How did none of them realize they didn't get their credit card back? Well, you'd be surprised when you're in a rush and you're hungry. The victims were all able to provide me a fairly detailed description of the individual working the drive through window that night. Score. Then I got copies of all the bank statements from the victims, eventually, and I was ready to do some more digging. Up next, I needed to request some video surveillance. But I also needed to do some damage control. First things first, though, 
I need a coffee break. The next morning, I made time to stop by the Wendy's where the credit cards were being stolen. I needed to make sure the problem was not still ongoing, but I needed to be careful. My investigation isn't even close to being finished yet, so I can't afford to spook the culprit. I was able to meet alone with the manager and discussed my concerns. She had already received complaints from customers as well that their cards were being stolen through the drive through Wow. I had already narrowed down the date and time stamps based on the bank statements I received, and the manager was able to give me info on who was working the drive through during the time of the theft. Sweet. Uh, looks like her name is... Alexis. Okay. But sadly, there was no video surveillance available. Completely unrelated, but Alexis had already quit her job. The bleeding stopped itself naturally. She was actually confronted about the incident by this manager, and she walked out on the spot. A few days ago, actually. Well, hey, she just bought me some extra time to complete this case. Sounds like a win to me. Now I have my subject info narrowed down. The bleeding has been stopped, and I'm starving after sitting inside a Wendy's for the past hour. But I just couldn't eat there right now. It just didn't feel right. Next on my to-do list, I need to obtain video surveillance from the mall in order to confirm who was utilizing the stolen credit cards. I've pretty much narrowed down how the cards were stolen and potentially who did it, but that's only half the puzzle. If you've never had the pleasure of requesting video surveillance before, you should know that the results may vary. Most places have cameras, but that does not mean the video is available. And sometimes the quality is horrendous. I stopped by the Altamont Mall on my way back to the office to request some video surveillance. I had specific timestamps of the transactions inside the mall that I was looking for. Hmm, let me double check these bank statements. Looks like the subject hit up Victoria's Secret, the Apple Store, and Forever 21. And it was my lucky day. None of these stores had access to their own cameras inside the store. I had to send legal requests for all three locations. Fun. But I was able to use the timestamps I had to narrow down when this individual was making purchases at each of the stores. So I put together a quick timeline and I visited the mall security office. After some digging around on the cameras, we were able to follow the individuals, yes, two people, who were presumably using these stolen cards inside of the stores. One of them appeared to be Alexis, but I couldn't confirm that. Better yet, we got footage of them both leaving the mall in what appeared to be a silver four-door Camry with bad left bumper damage. The video quality just was not good enough to grab their vehicle tag. Man. At this point, the smell of Chick-fil-A was becoming a dangerous temptation. Who could turn down the Lord's Chicken at a time like this? I already passed up Wendy's, so I grabbed myself some nugs before heading back to the office. I'm starting to put together the puzzle pieces, but I've got a long way to go. After submitting the video surveillance requests, I had to play the waiting game. Most of these requests took 30 plus days to complete. 
In the meantime, I started digging into the vehicle. Huh. Alexis does not own a silver Camry. Who does this car belong to? I don't have a tag, but we've got some unique bumper damage here. Ah, I got it. Let's play a game of Guess That Vehicle. We did this often around the office. We'd pass around a picture of our subject's vehicle, and everyone would try to narrow down the exact year, make, and model, based on unique trim or features. The experts confidently narrowed it down to a 2018 Camry. I was able to use this info to search vehicle crash reports. Hey, maybe if they got some vehicle damage from a car accident in Seminole County, then I can find the owner. Sure enough, I found an accident report from a few months back involving a 2018 Camry, and the damage sounded like a perfect match. Hmm, let's see here. The owner of the vehicle appears to be, uh, uh, you know, to be honest, I can't even remember her name. So we're going to call her Victoria, since she enjoys shopping at Victoria's Secret. Maybe she knows the secret? Digging into Victoria, I found some interesting info. She appeared to match the individual shopping with Alexis, based on the mall security cameras. But she must just be a friend, because she had no address in common or any other links to Alexis. Except on social media. Open source research and social media is one of the most valuable tools for fraud investigators. Fraudsters often love to brag about what they're doing or what they are buying with their stolen money. It is absolutely hilarious. Some quick digging, and I found Alexis and Victoria both were friends with each other on Facebook and Instagram. I easily found the accounts by just typing in their full name into Facebook's search bar. Thank you, Facebook. Their Facebook accounts led me to their accounts on the gram. Lo and behold, I found something magical. On one of the days they were using stolen credit cards, they decided to take some classy selfies that their fathers would certainly approve of. They did these at a Wawa right near the mall, wearing these same exact outfits they wore in the mall, posing behind the same silver Camry with the license plate fully visible. The tag matched exactly to the Camry I found in my investigation. The vehicle now with 100% certainty does belong to Victoria, and now I've confirmed both subjects that were involved. Let's go. Let's fast forward about 30 days or so, and I finally got the video surveillance that I requested back from the stores inside of the mall. The more evidence, the better. Plus, this is actually crucial evidence. I still needed to confirm who physically swiped these stolen cards because that's the lucky person who's getting hit with the felonies. A close examination of all the video surveillance sealed the fate for Alexis. She swiped every single stolen card. Looks like Victoria was just a getaway driver and a bad friend who wanted to go on a shopping spree. Now I am ready for the final hunt. Not before organizing my case docs evidence, and meeting with the state attorney's office. I wanted to hear their thoughts on arresting Victoria for her involvement as well, but they just weren't quite on board. I didn't have enough to charge her with any of the fraudulent acts since she was only present and did not actively touch any of the cards. 
Lame. But I, I get it. Well, I guess I'll just track down Alexis and wrap up this case. She was a bit tricky to catch, though. I tried all my usual methods to get in touch with my subjects. I called her phone. Blocked. Her address is on file. Outdated. I was able to contact her mom, though, and she spilled the beans. She informed me Alexis was working at a local call center. Great, that is exactly where we want a credit card thief to work. I bribed a few fellow detectives to join me, and we hopped in my undercover car and drove about 20 minutes to Lake Mary, Florida. Alexis was actually in new hire training at the time when I arrived, but this couldn't wait. We needed to talk. I have a feeling this new employer isn't going to work out. Alexis was nervous, but she agreed to speak with me after I informed her about her Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be held against you in a court of law, etc., etc. I knew the statement by heart at this point. I started off by building rapport and slowly began digging away at the incidents that started out at that special Wendy's. Alexis was off to a poor start. She was clearly lying about everything I asked her, and she was in full denial. But I had seen this before, time and time again, so I started to show her some of the evidence I had. I literally had evidence to dispute every possible lie she could come up with. She quickly realized while looking at this massive table full of evidence that her gig was up. This was when I slipped in with my most effective interview lines. You know, Alexis, it's always better to be honest. We can document that you are cooperative, which will help you out greatly. This is not the crime of the century, and there's no avoiding the penalty at this point. Alexis looked down in despair, and she asked, What's the penalty? Well, Alexis, you've earned yourself 19 felonies with the amount of cards you stole and all the individual transactions you conducted. Do you realize you spent $2,000 on these victims' stolen credit cards? She stated she was so sorry. Listen, Alexis, you won't avoid a trip down to the jail today, but you do have a choice on whether you want to be honest or not with yourself and get this off your chest. With a deep sigh, I could see she agreed. She was caught red-handed, and she needed to fess up. And she did. With great detail, she gave a full confession. She even completed a sworn written statement explaining what she did and how sorry she was. I always give my subjects a sworn statement to fill out, especially at a time like this, because it's some of the best evidence you can get in a fraud case. Alexis was transported to our county jail, and the charges were filed. Fun fact, do you remember Victoria? I actually met and interviewed her the day before I interviewed Alexis. Just for fun, I couldn't help myself. She was a bit stubborn, but after showing her all the evidence, she completely threw Alexis under the bus by writing a sworn statement indicating Alexis's whole elaborate plan. While I couldn't charge Victoria with anything, I was able to show Alexis that Victoria was not truly her friend. I showed her the sworn statement that Victoria wrote at the end of our interview, and she was shocked. 
She could not believe her best friend timed her out like that. Credit card fraud is all around us. The opportunity frequently arises for people to take advantage of others. So keep your cards close and keep your eyes peeled because you never know when you'll be the next target of the fast food fiends. And there you have it, fraud fighters. Don't let your next late night snack turn into a shopping spree on your behalf. Join us next time as we delve into the world of financial intrigue, exposing the tricks of the trade while sharing a laugh or two. Remember, not all heroes wear capes. Some wear accountant badges and detective hats. This podcast is presented by Fraud Warfare. If you are interested in supporting us through promoted ads, please connect with us on LinkedIn. Additionally, we are able to keep our podcast free only through your support. Please consider sharing this with a friend or family member. You can also support us financially through our buymeacoffee.com slash fraud warfare page. 100% of these funds go towards improving the quality of our podcasts and, of course, some coffee. Thanks for listening. I want to give a special thanks to Kathy Waters and Bev Preston Hayes for making this episode possible. Both of your donations and continued support mean the world to me. Thank you.